1: Hello, and welcome to Podcasting Smarter. This is Norma Jean Belenke, Podbean's head of events. And in today's episode, we'll be having a conversation with Steph Fuccio, where we'll get into creating a business as a podcast editor, creating community, global podcast editors, and so much more. Stay tuned. And here we go. Hi, Steph. How's it going? Hi, Norma Jean. I am so excited to be here with you today. We are so excited to have you here on Podcasting Smarter. So for everybody out there who... Hasn't met you yet, hasn't heard of you, hasn't uh, seen a global podcast editor's <laughs> chat. Tell us a little bit about you and your business, Podcast Editing Plus, and global podcast editors.
0: Yeah, I, I am a huh, somewhere between a digital nomad and an expat, and I'm an American who's lived overseas for the better part of 20 years. And uh, right now I'm in Valencia, Spain, uh, with Shannon of Podbean, funny enough, uh, she's over here too. And I... I've had a lot of hats in podcasting, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. But right now, I'm primarily a podcast editor and consultant. And I also have a podcast editing or podcast editor community, and that's the global podcast editors. So I tend to do stuff for clients and then also to help build the community to help others uh, be editors as well.
1: Absolutely. And we're so excited, we do have an upcoming event. Um, that we're collaborating with global podcast editors Mm -hmm. on. We'll have the link here in the show notes. Um, But tell us a little bit how you got into podcasting. And then as you became uh, a professional in podcasting and started your own podcasting business, what skills you've used from previous jobs, hobbies, and uh, careers?
0: Oh, I wish it was a happy story, but I'm one of those cathartic podcasters. I actually (laughs) left a PhD program because you you have two kinds of podcasters, right? Some people start it to share, you know, happy events and some people start it because they're processing and something emotional. And that was definitely me. Um, I left a PhD program, left not finished a PhD program, and I needed to work through that grieving process and do something creative at the same time. And so I, I accidentally started a YouTube channel for learn because we had just moved back to Shanghai, China, my husband and I. And so I had just started a YouTube channel following my process of learning Mandarin Chinese and the podcast about different aspects of expat life at the same time. So I started both and I was just like diving into like all kinds of like sharing, interviewing, creating. I was just I needed to just drown myself in creative pursuits and learning and a just a practical, non-theoretical skill.
1: Fabulous, fabulous. And from there, I believe that Geopaths was born. That's your podcast, your passion project.
0: Mm-hmm. It's gone through about ten different names, so <laughs> it's yeah. But its current name is 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 Geopaths, and it yeah, it's we, we talk about culture from people who have lived in or are super fascinated with or somehow really entrenched with a specific culture in a specific place through different artifacts, whether it be coffee or books or the internet in that place, or which, is, which does vary from place to place, it's like, as you, I know you know, Norma Jean, or different things like that. So we really hone in on a specific thing in that place and explore the culture that way. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And in terms of creating a podcast in that way, right, of finding something that feels universal, but looking at it through a different lens of a specific Mm -hmm. culture, um, you know, you really developed a love of podcasting (laughs) and became, yeah, started, you know, creating community and connecting with people, I think from there as well.
0: I was actually a a listener from the beginning, when you had to drag the files onto MP3 players and then carry that around, and when you ran out, you were sad because you couldn't just be on Wi-Fi because that didn't exist yet. Right. So I've, I was a listener for years and my best friend actually said to me, why exactly do you not have one yet? And I was like, I don't know, because we would spend hours on the phone. She was in California and I was in, in China and we spent hours comparing podcasts we were listening to. And she's like, why don't you have one? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. So I started one
1: amazing. And then from there, how did you just t- very quickly tell us about the the bridge, I guess, or the, or the time in between starting your first podcast, which was really about, you know, connecting people living abroad, um, through common experiences mm-hmm. to starting podcast editing plus as a professional podcast editor.
0: Mm-hmm. Um I sound so tragic, but it was the beginning of 2020 <laughs> we, had, we had just you know where this is going. My husband and I had just moved to Germany and I just did air quotes or inverted commas depending on where you are. yeah, and uh, we were both job hunting, and everything changed, let's just say. and so while I was looking for a full-time job online or in the country I was in because at that point it was like, what can we do? Uh, people started to approach me because there was in it, 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 even though there were a lot of job freezes, there were also a lot of people starting podcasts for their businesses. And so I had people that knew that I was doing my own podcast for a few years contact me saying, Do you know anybody who edits? And I was like, Well, I can do that until I get a job. Ha ha ha. <laughs> wow. And here we are, here we are almost three years later. Yeah. So I just started to take on more people and I started to actively lean into it because editing other people's stuff is way more fun than editing my own. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And why do you Mm. think that?
0: Um, A lot of people think it's the voice, but I'm actually quite comfortable with my voice. It was more of the I can overdo the planning and the changing the narrative around. And I can take too long in perfecting an episode when it's mine. But when it's a client deadline, I'm like, I got to get this done. It's going to be good. It's going to sound like this. And I'm much more methodical with it. I just can't do that for my own stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to also talk about, you know, outside of podcasting, do you feel like there's been any skills or experience that you've had that's really contributed to being able to start your own podcasting business?
0: Oh, heck yeah. I think because I was a language teacher for over 15 years and by language teacher I mean like think good morning Vietnam but but well partially it wasn't Vietnam actually but not for any military purposes like I was teaching adults in a small language classroom for years and then sometimes college students and so there's a certain there's a certain an aptitude for reading people, helping people, being able to explain things and being able to to know what people need when they're asking one thing but they really need another. There's there's a skill that comes from that with any kind of teaching, I think, and that immediately transferred over. And so any organizational people skill like that, communication stuff, um, all of that transferred over.
1: Absolutely. So for anybody out there who is a podcaster, maybe who's only worked on their own show um, or people just, you know, getting into podcasting as a profession, what are some tips and best practices you can offer having, you know, gotten kind of gone that, taken that step (laughs) in terms of, uh, you know, going from having your own podcast to really having a podcasting business?
0: Yeah, there's, there's kind of two tracks in this there's the network or big company track and there's the independent slash freelancer track, right? And that's not official. And very few people actually talk about this, but they're real. They're very, very real. And there's a little bit of overlap, but what you need to get a job for like somewhere in NPR or PRX or any of the big guys versus to get independent clients, let's say business clients, um, who want, you know, a podcast to support their brand, basically the new business card. Um, it's, they're very different criteria for the independent side, freelancer, small business side, you can actually start after, and I'm going to make some people cringe with this, but seriously, if you've edited your own podcast, you can start immediately, but you need to be very clear with what you can offer people and yeah. what limits there are. As long as you're honest about what you offer and you price according to your skill set, you can start immediately.
1: That's important to know. Absolutely. Because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think that there's, you know, you have to go to journalism school or you have to study audio documentaries to even be able to offer, you know, very simple cut and paste audio edits but that's no. not necessarily the truth. And a lot of podcasts need simple editing. They're not complex audio documentaries. Mm-hmm. And we do interview people here at Podbean who create mm-hmm. that kind of work. And it is an entirely different kettle of fish. And that's the great thing about podcasting is that we have that variety. So I love that mm-hmm. perspective as well. Um, and there is that that daunting feeling. I think that a lot of podcasters have, well, oh, you know, I'm listening to Radio Lab, right? <laughs> or I'm listening mm-hmm. to BBC. And, you know, I can't create anything like that. So why would anyone ever want to pay me for my skills?
0: One person wouldn't. And one person doesn't. Like they have a team and some of them have a team of a hundred, I hear. I mean, they have big teams and they have people that have gone through all of that training and then some. And yeah, so it's a very different, it's a very different, um, it's a very different market. But having said that, I'm not saying that you should start taking on clients now, and then stop like don't ever learn anything else because there is a like a giant learning curve of things you can do for your clients and you should be if you want to stay in business because podcasting is super booming you should constantly be upskilling in order to offer your clients everything that you can and with upskilling comes higher prices higher rates so there is an advantage to that but you can definitely start anytime As long as you know who that client base is.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's also one of those things where your clients may grow with you, right? They may start with a simple audio production, but they may want to add different elements. They may want to add transitions. Mm -hmm. They may want to add, you know, specific music, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So I think it is really important to remember that. Um, And it is important to, if you're starting out on your journey, not to stop, right? (laughs) Or become stagnant. But if there is additional, you know, skills or software or technique that you want to learn, you know, start where you are and Mm -hmm. keep learning. So
0: can I actually name a couple of folks who are doing some really amazing programs that folks might be interested in? Absolutely. Because there are things that exist now that I'm like, man, if that existed three years ago, I would be so much more organized. But like, for example, there's a, a category now in the, that really overlaps with podcast editors called podcast managers. And Lauren Wrighton is really ahead of her of the, of the curve on this. And she has a podcast manager program that teaches you how to do like everything to manage a podcast, including the, the editing, the show notes, the, like some of the, the assets, the visual assets for like Instagram and Twitter and things and like pitching guests and like everything basically to manage a podcast. And so she's got a program for that and a private uh, Facebook group where you basically walk through and talk with folks all the time as you're going through the program. It's amazing. Um, so yeah, so there's things like that, which that didn't exist a few years ago. Like that's a re- relatively new thing. And, um, and there's specific like audio courses that you can take now that didn't exist before. Like Laura Joyce Davis of shelter in place has a, um, a narrative, a narrative podcast program called weekender. Sorry. <laughs> my brain, It's so stinking hot right here. So my brain stops every now and then to recoup. Oh, um, that's Okay. But yeah, it, specifically for narrative podcasts similar to what some folks are familiar with with you mentioned radio lab or like a, a this American life that kind of thing where you you do a lot more rearranging of the story to put it together so it's it's training you on how to do that. And there's so many more programs like this coming out now that are such quality things that can really help you get the skills and be more confident as you start getting clients.
1: Yes, absolutely. So we'll have a couple of links there in the show notes um, and that kind of directly leads us into the next thing I want to talk about, which is community, because you create community with podcast editors. So I, I want to kind of ask you how important is community in podcasting and talk a little bit about how you're creating community.
0: Oh my gosh, I, I'm very biased. I think it's important everywhere <laughs> in everything and in podcasting, I tell you what, I tried to be I tried to be a writer ironically uh, in my 20s and early 30s and it was the hardest community to be a part of. There was just a much less supportive shall we say community everywhere I went where I was trying to do, like compare notes and like, you know, learn how, what other people are doing and just kind of like talk to people that were doing the same thing. Podcasting is the absolute polar opposite of that experience for me. It is one of the friendliest, most supportive, most let's all do this so so other people can get in here and tell their stories kind of environment that I have ever experienced in my entire life. It is, I I feel like I'm exaggerating, but I don't, I'm not. (laughs) It's really stinking supportive. So it's, I think it's one of the things where, when I hit burnout every now and then, cause you do, I, it, it was one of the, it's one of the things that kept me going is that I could kind of back off and just kind of watch and listen what other people were doing. And then I would get inspired again and come back in.
1: Absolutely. I think that, you know, the collaborative aspect of podcasting
0: mm-hmm.
1: is not, I mean, it's not competitive in the same way that other industries are. And when you're speaking about that, it kind of feels like, you know, two sides of the same coin. When you are in a creative industry, people can either be competitive or they can be collaborative. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a combination of both, but uh, I found, and especially here at Podbean, where it's, we found it to be so collaborative, right? Mm -hmm. The best way to increase your audience is podcast swaps, right? Is to get different podcasters on your show and to be on their show. And so once you kind of, you know, flip the coin over, right. You realize that in, instead of being competitive with other podcasters, inviting them in and creating a community mm-hmm. together, you know, rises the tide for all boats. So that's such exactly. an important aspect. Exactly. Absolutely. And you also kind of touched on pod fade, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, what we call burnout for podcasters,
0: <laughs> which mm-hmm. happens
1: somewhat frequently. And, you know, we talk a lot about how to prevent it here at Podbean with, Um, you know, making sure that you're set up for success, you take breaks, you know, you're not too hard on Mm -hmm. yourself. You maybe have seasons of your podcast, you batch things, you do them in advance. Mm -hmm. So we do talk about that quite a lot, but I think also, and I think also community plays such an important part of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I mean, you, you need the ability to not just like podcasting seasons, but the ability to just be creative in seasons, you know, you need to be able to dip in and kind of burst out creatively and then kind of regroup and be inside yourself again. You need the ability to go in and out of those things. And the things that you mentioned, the breaks and the like planning your breaks is so important and giving yourself the space to not podcast for a while. These are really important things to help with podfade. Having said that, sometimes a podcast is over. And it's not faded mm. if you actually completed something that you're proud of and that people can consume for a while, you know what I mean? It can, like we don't consider like if somebody writes two or three books, we don't consider them writing faded. Like there's, <laughs> there's some really strange thing with podcasting where everybody's like, you have to publish weekly forever. No, you don't. You can publish something amazing, have it be a limited run podcast, and be done, and maybe go do another one, or maybe not do any more again. Like you have the ability to have it be what it is without pressuring yourself.
1: Oh, I think that's so beautiful. And I mean, I do have to say on the Podbean side, keep your podcast up. We'll sell current ads for it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> You know, we'll get, we'll keep delivering fresh ads to your podcast. If you want to keep it up in perpetuity, if yeah. you know, and it's important to honor that beautiful work that you did, but I think it's oh, also, yeah. it's, it's so apt, you know, hearing you talk about that because sometimes things do end and what's great about podcasting is that they can stay up
0: mm-hmm. and that you can,
1: you know, continue to make revenue <laughs> on those episodes mm-hmm. and, you know, gain an audience and, and have them live on in perpetuity and, it allows you to move on to the next thing, right? And so exactly. giving yourself that grace, I think is is so important. And sometimes that grace, a lot of the time, is another podcast. So mm-hmm. um you can host <laughs> multiple podcasts with PodMe. <laughs> oh my Anybody gosh. It's asking, so addictive. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is something where, you know, if 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 it feels like a complete work and it feels done there, there doesn't have to be the need to put that pressure on yourself. So I think that is such an important aspect. And then it makes room for the new, right? Because maybe Mm -hmm. the new ideas or the new creative inspiration doesn't have that space to incarnate in your life or in your creative work in the same way. Mm -hmm. So I think that is such an important aspect, but if you have a podcast and you feel like it's over, keep it on Podbean,
0: and we'll keep selling ads. (laughs) It's so important because there's very few podcasts, like maybe some news podcasts are not evergreen content, right? But I mean, the vast majority of the stories that people create and share will be useful to folks forevermore. So, I mean, keep them up people. We need them there. Absolutely. Um, And I want to talk a little bit next about,
1: you know, just part of the business of podcasting because you have created a podcasting business, Podcast Editing Plus. And get and getting clients um because you you briefly touched on this about how organic that process was for you you had a podcast you edited it people were coming up and saying hey you know do you know anybody who can edit my podcast and that is the ideal right? <laughs> that's the ideal <laughs> you know <laughs> path to entry and i think so many podcasters want to have that organic you know overnight mm-hmm. success um and can you speak a little about a little bit about what you've seen other podcasters go through or any tips you have for, you know, maybe a client finishes a show or takes a break and you bring on another client and how you, you know, go about finding the right fit.
0: Yeah. Let me tell you, it was a, a minor avalanche that started it and then it slowed down and now I'm actively looking for clients. So it's, it's not like that continued the whole time and I'm like, I'm famous, come work with me. So it's definitely not that, but I think for a lot of podcasters, it might it might be hard i was kind of loud in the space <laughs> i got involved in a lot of communities early on when international podcast day was was around i was like super active and engaged and contacting like contacting and connecting and collaborating with a lot of folks early on and so it just kind of kind of like i spread out a lot of i, I made a lot of contacts really quickly and for three years. And then all of that happened and people started to come to me and ask me to do that. But then there's the beautiful thing about going from having your own podcast to being an editor is you have your portfolio already. Like you do want to cut it down into smaller bits so you can share it with folks in tinier forms. And you definitely don't want to should like show them your earlier work, because that probably doesn't sound that great. Let's be honest. Nobody's podcast sounds amazing at the beginning. Um, so you definitely want to massage things to make it look as good as you can do now. But um, finding clients is about communication. It's about anything you do online. It's about being yourself, connecting to folks that have the need that you're fulfilling and creating those relationships so that when they need someone, they think of you. And it's a long haul. Like, like I said, I got lucky at first, but honestly, most of the time, it's a lot of connecting, engaging and waiting until that right moment. And then they go, oh, you know what? I need this. Or my friend needs this. I'm going to send them over to you. But it takes quite a bit of time to do that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's something where, you know, when you, when you own the business, right. Or you're an, you're an independent editor even if you're doing it, you know, part-time as a side hustle and, and you're in that, you know, the money comes from clients, right? So if you mm-hmm. don't, you know, it's, it's not like you're getting a paycheck or a wage. Uh, it's something where it's relational, right? It's about mm-hmm. making sure that, that, that the community knows what you do mm-hmm. and that you're present and a part of that and top of mind, like you were saying. So I think that is a really exactly. important aspect And, you know, everybody has their niche within podcasting. That's another really beautiful Mm -hmm. thing we all love about it. Right. So if there's a particular niche of podcasting that you totally geek out on, like Mm -hmm. be in those communities, like be present there, show up, you know, join Facebook groups, comment on what people are doing, you know, share episodes, like get into the groove of that podcast niche. Absolutely. And don't just, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no. I was saying when people are looking for the services that you're, you're providing, whether it's editing or whether it's yeah. booking guests or whether it's creating graphics or whether it's writing show notes, they're going to think of you because you're present.
0: Exactly. But don't just like you wouldn't just run into a group and drop your podcast link. Don't run into these other groups and drop your editing link. Like right. be don't a part spam. of the community. Yes. <laughs> don't spam. Like don't be a member spam. of the community add value answer questions le- have your link to your website your editing website in your profile people will switch over from the value that you're giving in those groups to your profile link to your website and then they will contact you for a discovery call it happens all the time but you but if you try to sell 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 people will ignore you because they're it's just it's too much it's yeah. too much in the in the groups yeah
1: absolutely and i kind of want to pivot and talk about the other side of that from the buying side Ooh, can I say there. one more thing first? Oh, too. yeah, no, jump in. <laughs>
0: Sorry. There's, um, there's also different. It, it, okay, because you can work for yourself, right, getting your own clients, but then I'm seeing more and more what's called white label work, which is a term we apparently snagged over from the music industry, where you can work for a production house, like maybe a smaller production house. And um, some of them train, like if you have some of the skills, they'll train you up to do the way they want. And some of them have specific requirements. But I'm seeing more and more ads on even things like Indeed, and over in Facebook groups, I'm seeing people advertise, hey, we're growing, we need more editors, so you can work for them. You don't get credit on the specific episodes, but you still get an income from that and you get steady work. Absolutely. So
1: I think as the industry grows, we're going to see more and more of these kind of opportunities, mm-hmm. right? Yep.
0: So for maybe yep. somebody
1: that would have to go out on their own now, if, you know, if, if you're thinking, Hey, I really love editing, but I'm not really interested in getting, you know, editorial credit for every podcast yes. episode that I produce, but I want that steady paycheck. And this production house needs editors and they've got yep. steady work because they're, you know, they have somebody dedicated to getting those contracts. It's something where, you know, it's a win-win for everybody. So as the industry expands, we're going to start seeing that more and more. Okay. Now I want to pivot and talk about for podcasters (laughs) out there looking for an editor. What should they look for? I mean, in terms of, (sighs) in terms of finding an editor, in terms of, you know, even just, there's a term, um, called, you know, the, your show assembly. So Mm -hmm. what are some things that podcasters should know You know, if they don't know anything, right? Maybe they've edited their own podcast or Mm -hmm. they are looking for a new editor and they had a friend do it or something like that.
0: What are some things to look for? First of all, look at your budget because it's a technical skill. And I I don't mean to be blunt about this, but this is one of the biggest shocks that I see podcasters having when they go, Oh, I think I want to outsource my editing. How much is it? And then they go, Oh. And you don't hear from them for a few years. It's not cheap. It's a real uh, job, correct? <laughs> it is a real. It is a real job. It's a real technical job. And as much as I say, if you have your own podcast, you can start doing it. Um, if you've been podcasting and you want to outsource, you probably want to outsource to somebody who's doing it different than you. So you don't. You want to go a layer above, and that costs a fair bit. So take a look at your budget and have a realistic expectation of what you can, what you can spend, and then honestly start looking for. Editors, uh, where you are, what groups are you in, what social media places do you exist? Literally just Google or not Google, but search for podcast editor. There's tons of people using that hashtag. You'll find them. You'll probably see them in videos or pictures or like process tips with their DAW and stuff like that. And get a feel for, like, ask yourself, do I trust them with my voice? Because a huge part of podcast editing is similar to podcasting where it's personal you need you won't necessarily after the after you're onboarded with the editor you won't necessarily talk to them so much but they're going to edit your podcast in a specific in a certain way uh, in a certain way like their personality so if you if you feel like you might click with them then you'd probably click with their editing style do you know what i mean so there's a very personal connection that probably should happen uh, whereas a lot of people look for technical skills and then don't know how to communicate or like they don't know how to navigate that that uh, financial relationship of hiring an editor. I say go for the personality, find a personality match and then make sure their stuff sound good and then go from there and talk to them and literally ask them questions about what they do, what they can do for you, how they can work within your budget and those kinds of things.
1: Absolutely. and. We've also heard that it's important to make sure that you get samples of their work. So that's another big one. Mm -hmm. Get some samples, get some recent samples of work that they've done. Mm -hmm. And then also contractually be clear about the expectations, how many revisions are included, all that kind of stuff. Um, Because when you're looking for an editor, you want to be clear on the front end, because if you want changes, you know, that maybe, maybe they're hourly and you want several additional changes, you know, it may be double the work. It doesn't, you know, it's not that clear, or maybe they include yeah. one revision per episode or that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it is super important to, to have that in mind as well. Um, Absolutely. And we did kind of touch on rates because they can vary pretty wildly in the industry as podcasting, mm-hmm. you know, production value varies widely. At Podbean, you can mm-hmm. start a podcast in five minutes from your phone, or <laughs> you, know, you can spend a awesome. year creating a narrative, you know, a narrative documentary, narrative mm-hmm. audio documentary. So, how did you learn what to charge?
0: By doing it wrong, which is, I think, how most people do, because you look at places like, I probably shouldn't name names, you look at popular freelancing websites and you think, okay, that's what people are charging there, I'll charge that. And then you realize how much time it takes and how much skill and how many courses and upskilling and different things that you need to do and different softwares that work better than others. And then you realize, oh, I gotta include all of that in. And then if it is a small business or freelance thing, you have to include other entrepreneurial expenses in there and then the rate goes higher and higher and higher and higher so there really is a, a, a mini like entrepreneurial course you have to t- you have to deal with or, or just kind of a learning curve as far as what to charge. I'll be honest with you I started charging 25 bucks per episode and my first clients were doing 60 minutes episodes oh my gosh all- <laughs> yeah yeah right. And I was just like, oh, it's okay. I don't mind listening. It's fine. And I didn't realize how much they needed taken out, uh, how much they stumbled because it sounded clear to me at the time until you get in there and start changing it, you don't realize how much time it takes. So I, I did a lot of tracking. I have this six minute, 60-minute episode. How long does it realistically take me? And I w- I did that for a few months so I could get the time down. And then I had all those other expenses. And so I started to massage the numbers and come up with an an hourly or by episode rate that worked for me, but it takes some time. Absolutely. And I think it's so important to, I mean, the
1: fact that you took the time to realize how much time it takes you to edit each episode that you took the time to, you know, look at how much it costs for, you know, each individual software program, mm-hmm. factoring things in like electricity <laughs> <right>? <laughs> <laughs> to pay for, to pay, to charge your computer. I think all, all of those mm-hmm. things factor in. Um, and are really important aspects of it. Um, And so I think, you know, like when we're talking about rates, you know, I always like to ask entrepreneurs in podcasting, how much can you make in podcasting? Um, So do you have, do you have an answer around that?
0: Yeah. The podcast editors club does a survey every year and um, there it's mostly North American editors. So you have to keep that uh, that income level in mind, but they say that the average cost for, I don't remember if it's a 30 or 60 minute episode. I want, I want to say it's 30. So the average cost for a 30 minute raw audio with, I'm guessing like top and tail, adding the intro and outro and those kinds of things is $75 per hour
1: okay. or per episode.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a pretty good
1: industry benchmark. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, if you're looking at an hour episode, that's about $150.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, And more if you need show notes or you need like special things or any audiograms created, like there's so many different things you can do with it. Don't even get me started about videos. There's a lot to do. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of podcasts are going to want those videos to upload to their YouTube Mm -hmm. to use on social media. There's so many Mm -hmm. applications for the content that you create as a podcaster. So that's really important. Mm -hmm. And a lot of podcasts record as both audio and video, and then they're going to, you know, do different things with the video. They're going to get it on their YouTube. They're going to break it down mm-hmm. for social. They may create reels from it. There's so many options. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's a really important aspect, but I think for everybody out there who's thinking, Oh, I edit my podcast. Maybe I can, you know, get some clients or people are starting to ask me, I think 115 episode or for an hour long or, or 75 for, for 30 minutes. And that is an industry average based on different people's experience mm-hmm. and things like that. But I think it's helpful to have that number. Um,
0: Well, again, when you're starting out, you wouldn't necessarily go for that because that's the average of the experienced editor. So you'd probably go a little bit lower than that and then work work up as you get more experience, more samples, that kind of thing. But also another thing is talk to other editors. Like if you're a woman or non-binary podcast editor, go over to Just Busters on Facebook. And a lot of times somebody will say, hey, my client's asking for this. I'm thinking of charging this much. What do you think? And we kind of help each other kind of get an idea of what might be a reasonable rate for things.
1: Absolutely. And,
0: and that's another, that is another
1: aspect where community really comes in and Mm -hmm. just helps add value for podcasters. Mm -hmm. Well, Steph, it has been so much fun. Uh, we are so excited to collaborate with you a little bit further in the year and we'll have all of your links here in the show notes. I do like to ask everybody this question at the end, where do you believe the industry is headed in your opinion? Oh, I know. Right.
0: I, <laughs> I should so have just asked you your favorite podcast, <laughs> right? No, I'm glad you didn't. Cause that's even harder, but I just, honestly, it's changed. It changes every minute. I think it's like an etch a sketch. The industry seems to literally just kind of reinvent itself every two minutes. Um, unlike some folks, I love the video part of podcasting, I think the two can ping off of each other really well, the audio and the video. So I kind of hope it goes in that direction. But I hope it's not just a copy of each other. I hope we get more creative with what we do in those two spaces that complement each other. Um, So maybe that's it. Maybe I want the videos to be more, more creative than what we're doing right now. Some more videos and in po- in audio podcasting. <laughs> okay, perfect. Oh, well, Steph, it's been such a treat. We'll have your links in the show notes. And thanks
1: again for joining us for Podcasting Thank Smarter.
0: You.
1: Thank you so much, Nurmedina. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Podcasting Smarter. If you have any podcasting questions or want to get in touch, send us an email at podcastingsmarter at podbean.com. Thanks so much and happy podcasting.